Loving God, we ask you to speak to us directly now. Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I want to welcome those of you here. I want to welcome those of you who are online. And I want to say Merry Christmas. You think, why is she in green and red? Well, remember, there are 12 days of Christmas. So how was Christmas Day for you? Did Santa come? Good. <laughs> Did you get everything you hoped for? <laughs> I have to admit that I can recall a number of Christmases when I was your age, when I was very disappointed. And maybe that's how you feel about life sometimes. Maybe you're thinking today, isn't there more? Isn't there more to life? The gift of Christmas is that the answer is always yes. With Jesus, there is always, always more. And by the way, I wrote this before I heard Scott Dudley say those very words on Christmas Eve. <laughs> One of our staff turned 40 this week. Oh, I am so sorry for him. <laughs> I said, well, there are two ways to look at it. It's all downhill from here. Or the best is yet to come. Let us be people who believe the best is yet to come. So how are you choosing to live your life and to look at life? Do you find yourself longing for the good old days? Or are you like a child on Christmas Eve, full of anticipation for the adventure ahead and what God is going to do in you and through you in 2011? We've been doing a sermon series called Is to Come, looking at the prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus and how he fulfilled them when he came, but not only that, how he continues to fulfill them in our lives. Today, we're looking at the prophecy in Isaiah that Jesus himself announced he was fulfilling. Can you imagine being there that day when he pulled out the scroll and said, this prophecy is being fulfilled right now before your eyes. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. I believe the Spirit of the Lord today is on us because he's anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sending us to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this scripture is being fulfilled. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus came as a helpless baby into our world, and that when he grew up, he died for us instead of us so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have a new relationship with God and a new life. Christmas, Rich Leatherberry said this past week, is about mystery, miracle, and revelation. One of the biggest gifts of Christmas is the promise that the hope 
that we can change is the promise and the hope that we can change, that things can be different. We can be transformed by God's enormous love for us. Jesus came to heal and transform the whole world, one person at a time, and that includes you and me. I recommend you read The Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People by John Ortberg. It's a great study on how to cooperate with Jesus in your transformation process. It's great for small groups, by the way. Now, some of you, many of you, I hope, know that First Press Management, First Press has a management roadmap. Transformation is listed as one of our values, and each department has their own roadmap. Community Life, the department that I'm in, has this mission statement, to be a caring community in which God's transforming love is experienced and shared. And in 2011, Scott Mann will be telling you more about the opportunity to create your own personal roadmap for your spiritual growth to help you on your journey of transformation. Now, with all this talk about roadmaps, I just want to check that you're awake. And I want to make sure you're hearing me say transformation and not transportation. <laughs> Good, they're awake. What do you think of when you hear the word transformation? Change, growth, healing, recovery, redemption? We use the word, don't we, when a miraculous change has, change has occurred in someone. She was transformed. What would transformation look like, say, in your garage? <laughs> your home? Your finances? Your relationships? Your children? Your parents? In you? Now, recently, my husband, William, and I hosted the Christmas party for our single adults here at First Press and beyond. Those of you who know me know that a major transformation had to take place in order to be able to host anyone, let alone 75 people. It happened, and we had the joy of many people gathered in our homes, some of whom are sitting right here. It was a first. I did not think it could ever happen. It was another step of healing in my life. Some of you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Now I'm facing one of the biggest opportunities for transformation that I have ever had since yesterday. For Christmas, I got... A smartphone. <laughs> you may well laugh. An Android, no less. You should have seen the look on my daughter's face. Scott Mann's going, oh my gosh. <laughs> you should have seen the look on my daughter's face when she discovered that not only had her brother got a new phone, but his parents had too. She let out a kind of stifled gasp of disbelief this awful laugh. She thought or hoped that I was joking. I need Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to tape it to my bathroom mirror 
and my computer monitor, and yes, probably to the thing itself. Last night, my son was busy learning about the apps for his phone. Suddenly, his phone rang, and the person asked for me. Why were they calling his number? You guessed. It was my phone that he'd been downloading apps onto for hours. <laughs> I now has, have his Facebook on my phone. Just what I've always wanted. <laughs> it will indeed be a miraculous transformation, seriously, for me to become a savvy smartphone user. I'll keep you posted, but don't hold your breath. I am not about to start tweeting, and you will not find out about it on my Facebook page. That would be taking transformation way too far. So where do you need transformation, freedom, or release? Where are you bound or in some kind of prison? Are you like Rapunzel, entangled, imprisoned up in the tower, waiting to break free for your life to begin? Let me share some of my own story of transformation. I wanted to die in my 20s. I don't know how I made it through college. I came to the U.S. 30 years ago, married William, worked part-time selling bags of oranges in San Diego, went back to school in midlife, pregnant with our second child, spending five of my eight years at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena doing singles ministry and joined the staff at First Press 14 years ago. It's been a long, very long journey from England to standing here today, and it has required almost continuous large and small steps of transformation. Did I ever imagine or think it could be possible? Never. Has the journey of transformation and growth been easy? No. Have I arrived, whatever that means? No. Has it brought joy and fulfillment into my life? Absolutely. I journal about my spiritual journey by writing down my conversations with God. Over 25 years ago in San Diego, I went to a group for inner healing prayer. Two women, as they prayed for me, saw by the power of the Spirit that my hands were tied, but that I could have untied them if I had chosen to. Much more recently, I was in a group spiritual direction in our prayer room. One of the women in the group, after a period of silence, when they were praying for me, said, I saw you sitting in a cage, but the door was wide open. The next day I sat down and listened, which is my process, and wrote, Prison of Pain. Recently, I felt Jesus, share, Jesus invite me to share it with a woman who was sitting in my office. She emailed me afterwards, how you knew my life and put it into words still is a mystery and a miracle to me. Being back home, I'm finding it will be a real challenge to not go back into that cage again. 
you understand. The Lord will give me a tug when I get too close, I think. So here's what I read to her about my own experience of my fear of becoming free. Lord, I'm living in a cage encircled by fears. I'm existing in a prison almost drowning in tears. I'm barely surviving, suffocating with dread. Sometimes I wonder if I'm already dead. I'm trapped, terrified, afraid, and alone. Bound tightly by fear, I feel as hard as stone. I long for freedom, at least I say I do. But when it's offered, I don't know what to do. Lord, you're opening the door, but I run and hide. You offer me freedom, but my hands remain tied. I'm afraid of life even more than death. You offer me love and life and breath. How did I get here in my prison of pain? It's become so familiar, so safe with my shame. How do I break out of this prison of fear? How do I learn to trust that you are right here? You let me stay bound if that's what I choose. You don't pick me up or force me to move. You stand at the door of the prison and smile. You invite me to leave with you in a while. I sit and wonder about life on the outside. Can I give up my doubts and learn not to hide? I'll need to learn to trust and to risk. Can I leave this prison? What have I missed? Lord, please don't leave without me. I'm ready to come with you. Lead me out of my prison. Show me exactly what to do. We walk through the door together. The sunlight hurts my eyes. I'd forgotten how beautiful the world is. I'd become so used to the lies. Lord, lead me into my new life, everything you've planned for me. I'm leaving the prison behind me. At last, I'm ready to be free. Jesus knows how hard it is for us to face our brokenness and to believe that he can transform it. Tony Esparza is the executive director of Eastside Academy, the school for at-risk youth right upstairs in our upper campus. She was the speaker earlier this month at the Women's Christmas Dessert, where she shared her story of redemption and transformation. And I'm going to put a complete copy of her talk at the end of this sermon because there isn't time for it all now. Tony is married to Juan, and they just celebrated their 12th anniversary. They have two beautiful daughters, Alethea, age 10, and Zoe, age 8. The reason why Tony cannot be here today to tell you her story in person about God's transforming work in her life is because she and Juan are welcoming three more children, siblings, into their home today. Tony was born in Kansas in a small town comprised of farmers and blue-collar workers. She says, it was there surrounded by friends and extended family she says that my family began to fall apart. Her father was an alcoholic. 
They were divorced. Her father left them when she was only two, when her mother was still pregnant with the next daughter. She says, that divorce was the first of many in my childhood, and things never really restabilized. Her mother quickly remarried a man with a violent temper. The children knew to keep quiet, keep out of the way, or they would be in trouble. So she entered her teenage years and began her own patterns of destructive behavior. She battled anorexia for years, and the doctor said she would never be able to have children. She said, I graduated valedictorian of my senior class, but I was slowly killing myself. My understanding of my relationships, of God's purpose for my life, of how God viewed me as his creation was completely mangled. But at the end of that year, she started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. She said, when I began to read the Bible for myself, when I began to contemplate what it would mean to actually believe that Jesus came to save me, it was a huge weight off my shoulders. She said that Jesus saved her from so many things. She said, I was saved from a past that could destroy my future. I was saved from a history cycle of divorce, abuse, and abandonment. I was saved from a belief that I had to be perfect in order to earn anyone's love and gained a knowledge that I could never be perfect apart from Christ. I was saved from my own weaknesses and sin, which I could never overcome in my own strength. I was saved from hatred and bitterness towards those who have hurt me. Her favorite verses in Scripture are these very Scriptures that I read and were read today. She says it's the full story of Christmas. Jesus came to find us in our mess and save us. So we are not held back by our past, and we don't have to live in shame. She says, statistics tell you that due to my family and personal history, I should be in an abusive relationship, divorced, and still be struggling on a daily basis with an eating disorder. But hear these words, she says, but my wonderful Jesus stepped into the middle of my life and offered me something completely different. And he meets me every day when I'm lost and shows me how to be a wife, how to be a mother, and most importantly, how to be his child. So my question to you today, as we step into a new year, is this. Are you open to more transformation? Are you ready for a change? Please pray as I read this conversation with God together. Lord, help me, us, to be open and ready for the changes you want to make in my life, in my heart, in me. Lord, I know that I resist your changes. I doubt that even your grace can change some of my stubborn ways. I make the excuse that's the way I am. And I settle for less than the new life you offer me not only at the beginning of a new year, but at the beginning of each new day. You offer new life, a new attitude, new dreams, a new heart, 
a new direction, a new spirit dwelling within me, giving me the desire and the power to change, to grow, to risk, to love, to trust, to embrace all the newness you have for me. Please remind me that I can let go of the old, old worn-out ways of being and doing and thinking about myself, my life, about you and the world. I can change over time with your help, with your love, by your power at work in me. Lord, I want to be ready for a change, ready for the changes you want to bring in my life, in my heart, in me. May it be so. Amen.